Wake up, America, before it's too late. The Steve Day Show. And greetings. Happy Monday. Welcome to the Steve Day Show here live and on demand on Blaze TV, radio and podcast. My name is Steve Dace. His name is Todd Erzin. His name is a very victorious, hopefully not nearly as obnoxious as Travis Kelsey, Aaron McIntyre. What is that dude's issue, by the way? Who, wh- wh- where is this hate, or hate parade against the Kansas City Chiefs and P- Pat Mahomes? Just won the friggin' MVP. The guy acts like, you know, they're the Cubs or something. What, what, what is all this from? I don't get it. Enjoy the win, man. Aaron, you got like one second there. Enjoy. <laughs> And then Dace pounce. <laughs> I loved it. Republicans man. pounce. I, I, I just I'm don't get the, the Travis McIntyre. What's wrong with Travis? <laughs> uh, it's it's you know what? He's a Super Bowl champion. I'm not going to dunk on him. OK, yeah. that's fair enough. I'm not going to dunk on I him. I guess if you, you know what? you win, you can say whatever you want. I just you're both I, right. I You're follow both sports, right. national sports media pretty closely in my spare time. I'm not aware of some, you know, hidden strain of Kansas City Chiefs hate. You know, but maybe there's something out there that I'm just not aware of, you know? He's a clown, but he's Aaron's clown. I mean, we know that. The dude also has tied Jerry Rice for the most postseason touchdown receptions in the history of the NFL. So, back to what Aaron said. He can play. You know what? If that's you and those are your numbers, douche it up, I guess, if you want. Just seems like you'd want to enjoy it a little bit more. But great game last night. Congratulations to Aaron and the rest of Chiefs fans. Maybe someday I will know what that is like. I woke up or after the game last night. I saw they'd already put out odds for next year's Super Bowl. Where are the Lions? The Lions are like ninth. Let's see. That's the highest they have been at least since Barry Sanders has, has played. I've already, I've already bet the Lions plus 3,000 to win the Super Bowl for next year. Yeah. I already have. That's a good bet. That's, I mean, that's a good, that's good value considering what they have, and especially if they get one more good pass rush, rusher, thirty to one. Yep. You kidding me? Yep, I agree. So, congratulations again to all the Chiefs fans out there. We have a lot going on on the show here today. Next hour, we're going to do something. <laughs> you okay over there? I just love. We just t- we just talked about the Lions ads for the Super Bowl and a weekend where we're talking about aliens and days like oh, dude blue right yeah. day I mean the one of who's ever gonna like come in and say dude the weekend aliens it's such a messed up world dude, yes, that yes. we went on oh, we're Lions gonna talk about the aliens here in a, in a few <laughs> yes. minutes for sure okay. I'll save it for that for by that. the way if the if the aliens come and blow this popsicle stand before we get the nefarious movie out I'm going to be so pissed I just want you to know that. Okay, because we are so close to letting you see this film. All right. But we'll get to we'll get to that all a little bit later on. Uh, Next hour, we were going to do our normal ask me anything. And then uh, found out over the weekend, 20 million dollars was was being spent for one of these he gets us ads to air during the Super Bowl. And if you've been watching sporting events all football season, you've seen these ads. Uh, When you go to the YouTube page. The um, the English and Spanish speaking he gets us ads on YouTube have over three hundred and seventeen million combined views. Million. Yeah. People have been poking us for a while to dive into this too. When you look at the amount of people who watch the Super Bowl, it's the most watched event in the world every year. It is quite likely that more people last night in the world, in one mass corporate setting heard the name of Jesus proclaimed than maybe since Billy Graham's crusades were at their 
Zenith, perhaps. They're halcyon. So we are going to spend next hour on the show looking at these ads and asking a simple question. Whose Jesus is this that, that the world is, is being subjected to? Is it the biblical Jesus? Maybe it is. Is it something in between? Is it something that's not? So last Sunday, an audience of barely 10 million saw a mock demonic ritual. This, this Sunday, almost the entire planet saw Jesus portray, portrayed as, as he was in the He Gets Us ads. It's an interesting dichotomy in and of itself right there, right? Mm-hmm. Um, so we're going to get into this and spend a good deal of time in our second hour today. We're going to look at these ads. We're going to look at the scriptures. We're a biblical worldview-based show. That's the prime directive of this show is a biblical worldview. And Christ is at the center and the heart and the foundation and the cornerstone of any biblical worldview. So it only makes sense that we would give the largest proclamation of the name of Jesus that we have seen maybe in our lifetimes globally, or at least since, you know, you and I are young enough to when Billy Graham or old enough now that Billy Graham crusades, when we were really little, were still at their Zenith globally. Mm-hmm. So we're at least going back to those days, right? Yeah. And those are days that Aaron has never known on this planet. So if a lot of people heard the name of Jesus proclaimed last night at the Super Bowl that otherwise would not. So I think it only makes sense for us as a show, maybe more than just about anybody else, given our prime directive to be curious about what was that message. And we will delve into that as uh, fairly and as gracefully as we possibly can in the next hour of the show. Uh, Pedro Gonzalez will join us at the bottom of the hour uh, the man is quickly becoming one of my favorite receipt takers. And he takes absolutely no prisoner. So we will talk to him at the bottom of the hour. I mean, I don't know if you guys saw what he put out uh, about uh, Russia and Ukraine over the weekend on a Twitter thread. I mean, that was absolutely outstanding. Um, if, there, if, I have yet, if I have met someone in this business who cares less about having friends than, than either me or Daniel... It is Pedro Gonzalez. So, of course, he should be on the show again. And so he'll talk to us at the bottom of the hour. Uh, Before we get to Aaron's montage, though, I want to address something here at the top of the show, if you guys don't mind. Um, You ever ever had like a a family member, uh, a friend, uh, someone you really respect, and there's a care about, maybe love, there's a point of contention between the two of you. And I'm not talking about the kind of serious, trivial stuff that we often will allow because feelings get hurt, we get butt hurt. The kind of things that sometimes and, and too often in our sinful state we allow to come between us. I'm not talking about that. I'm talking about a real matter of conscience. That there's just no way, there, there is no, there's, there's no gap to bridge here. One person has to cross the gap or the other, right? That, that The gap's uncrossable and for a while because of that level of respect or affection or prior relationship you might just let it go uh you might focus on uh, the other things about that person where you guys do agree 
on matters of principle and you don't just try not to get into that. But as time goes on and that matter keeps coming up over and over again, your resolve to take the high road kind of wears down. And and you maybe start getting a little pissy and maybe start making some passive aggressive references because you're convinced you're right. And the other party is not. And maybe you even are. And you think the matter is so important that now you can't let it go. And it kind of sours you on that relationship. You ever been through a moment like that? That's part of the human sure. experience. I think we all know. And then you find out that person has a serious health issue. And it's, it's not that that principle that separated you is no long, is, is, was not important. But it's kind of put into its proper context now, right? Sure. That is how I felt this morning. When I, when I saw the news confirmed, a couple of you had emailed me about it, but I had not had a chance to follow up on this. And then I saw the news confirmed this morning that our colleague Mark Levin has come forward to say that he, has, he is currently suffering um, a serious adverse effect he believes from the latest COVID booster he received. Tomorrow we are going to, we're going to, we're going to give you something so many of you have waited years for. Your first look at the movie based and inspired on, uh, by my book, A Nefarious Plot. If you, if you, have a copy of that book. You'll notice there is a front cover endorsement on that book. And it's from Mark Levin. In fact, if you read the last few of my books, with the exception, or starting with the exception of Fauci and Bargain, you would have seen a Mark Levin endorsement on several of them. If not for the success that Mark had, when CRTV was launched, he was the Glenn Beck of CRTV. He was the patriarch. He was the son that created the, the solar system that would revolve around him later. And we were one of those planets. Without um, the success of that show, we, would, we wouldn't have even gotten to the point of when those two entities merged. We wouldn't have this show right now without the success Mark had. Uh, he is one of the most important voices in our movement and industry. I'm a vocal advocate of Convention of States, and that's his brainchild. You know, Todd, you and I were fortunate enough to finally know what it feels like to have a number one best-selling book. He's felt that a few more sure. times. I mean, you and I sold over 100,000 copies, and we were like, we're going to Sizzla, Okay. <laughs> Yeah, his book came out later in the year, American Marxism. It sold over a million. Okay. Mark was the first person to accurately label what the feds were doing to Trump as domestic spying. Remember that? Yeah. He was the first one on that. Mark was right about Trump's potential as a president. I was not. 
like with Ben Shapiro, you'll notice those are there's a couple of names that you'll see on a lot of things that I wrote or um, asked for uh, endorsements and approval from, and you'll notice those two names pop up pretty ubiquitously until a certain event happened in 2020, and then you'll notice that those two names don't pop up anymore. COVID. And yes, we were right from the beginning about what was going on here. It doesn't mean we've been right the whole time about that, but we were right from the beginning. But you know, one of the reasons we were right is because I had been wrong about several other things in the past and hadn't learned my mistakes from them. Things that people like Mark were right about. I, I wished, trust me, I wish more of our colleagues, Mark and many others, would have listened to those of us who tried to warn them. I know a lot of you have friends and family members now that you wish they, that are suffering. You wish they would have listened to you. There are people in our audience, some of you now wished maybe you would have listened Those things that I found annoying or were starting to grate on me after a while just really aren't that important at the moment. When a guy's missing airtime because they poisoned him. It doesn't it doesn't matter. We're not this is this is not the moment you keep score. You go to the person whom you respect and or know and or care about and you try to get him the help that they need because I will tell you this whether you are as successful as Mark Levin or you're living paycheck to paycheck it doesn't matter it is not easy to get someone within the corporate healthcare system to adequately treat you for being jab injured doesn't mean you can't find that person but it is difficult so it'll probably sound better coming from people like you in our audience. Neither Mark nor I lack in intellectual confidence. Think that's a fair assessment? More than fair. More than fair. And you hate hearing from your buddy, see, I told you she was cheating on you. No one likes hearing that, okay? So it's always better to hear this stuff from third parties. If, if you are a Levin listener, should come from you. If you yourself are suffering or know someone who is, you need to get that spiked protein out of your body as fast as possible. Number one. Jamesclinic.com. We just had Molly on the show about a week or so Mm -hmm. ago. Jamesclinic.com. They have a protocol for that. I don't make any money off of Molly. Never have. I do know she saved one of my friend's lives, though. JamesClinic.com and Harvey Risch at Yale, Peter McCullough, maybe the most decorated cardiologist in American history. They started that TWC Health, the wellness company. TWC.health. All right. JamesClinic.com. Say it again. Write it down. JamesClinic.com. T as in Tom. WC.health. TWC.health. If you want to send him those websites, you want to write them down for you and your family, those are places to go right now if you are jabbed, injured, and, and, or know someone who is, and they cannot get the treatment that they need. First thing we have to do is reduce the toxicity of that spike protein in your body, okay? 
That's the first thing that has to happen. TWC.health, jamesclinic.com. Again, I don't get any money from either one of those entities. I just know the people who started them. And they have been brave in treating this disease from the very beginning. And we have to stop these shots. We have to stop them. The most important, righteous thing we could do in this world right now that we have, from a public policy standpoint, that we have the ability to be empowered to do, that would do the most good, is to stop these shots. And hopefully those who didn't listen before, and I get it, man. I didn't want to believe they just made up the Brett Kavanaugh allegations, right? We did those shows. I didn't want to believe Robert Mueller was just going to throw his entire career down the toilet for some ham-hocked, ham-fisted coup attempt. We did those shows. Yes. Right? I mean, I... I (laughs) And and Mark could have been here... Hey, dummy. Right? Could have done... Well, welcome to the party, pal. Right? This isn't a time for that. What this is a time for is to get people the health they need, the help they need, and hopefully now they'll listen to their health and encourage others to do the same. So jamesclinic.com, twc.health is where you want to go. And with that, here's Aaron's rundown of what happened while we were away. What happened while we were away brought to you by Close Encounters. It's now four, four unidentified flying objects that the United States has shot down over the past week or so. The latest happening yesterday afternoon near the Canadian border over Lake Huron. According to the Pentagon, the object appeared to be octagonal in structure with strings hanging off but no discernible payload. Of course, we had the Chinese spy balloon last week. Then on Friday, a second object was shot down over sea ice near Dead Horse, Alaska, and a third object was destroyed over Canada's Yukon on Saturday. General Glenn D. Van Herc, the commander of the North American Aerospace Defense Command, spoke to the media yesterday. Uh, because you still haven't been able to tell us what these things are that we are shooting out of the sky, uh, that raises the question, um, have you ruled out aliens or extraterrestrials? And if so, why? Because that is what everyone is asking us right now. And thanks for the question, Helene. I'll let the intel community and the uh, counterintelligence community figure that out. I haven't ruled out anything uh, at this point. We continue to assess uh, every threat or potential threat unknown that approaches North America uh, with the attempt to identify it. Senator Chuck Schumer says he was briefed about the Chinese spy balloon. We got enormous intelligence information from surveilling the balloon as it went over the United States. Didn't and the Chinese watching. get enormous intelligence as well? Well, they, they could have been getting it anyway, but we have to know what they're doing. Moving on, a story that some are likening to a mini Chernobyl, but is receiving next to no attention in the mainstream media as the train derailment in East Palestine, Ohio. On February 3rd, a freight train filled with tons of hazardous chemicals derailed and exploded in the village of East Palestine, sending plumes of toxic clouds up into the sky for several days. Instead of putting out the fire, emergency crews elected to perform a controlled burn to avoid another explosion. That burn released hydrogen chloride and highly toxic phosgene gas into the air. There are now reports disputed by the state of Ohio that pets, fish, and livestock are suffering or dying in the aftermath. Again, those reports haven't been confirmed to be linked. 
The FBI has now walked back that memo we told you about last week that basically calls orthodox adherents to Catholic theology terrorists. The FBI says it's rescinded that memo because it doesn't meet the, quote, exacting standards of the agency. In Arizona, pretender to the governorship Katie Hobbs went on Fox News to discuss her efforts to roll back school choice in that state. A reference there to the private Catholic mm -hmm. high school that you went to. Yeah. So why shouldn't all students have a chance at what you said was so important in your own life? Look, I grew up in a working class family. This was well before any of this um, of public assistance for private school existed. And my parents made that choice. I begged them to send me to public school. Um, and we sacrificed a lot. There were times in my family that we were on food stamps. Um, and so it wasn't, it was a choice that they made. Um, and they struggled to to make that choice. Um, we now go to Missouri, where a self-described queer woman who is politically to the left of Bernie Sanders has become, to our knowledge, the first major whistleblower on the practice of genital mutilation in the name of gender. Jamie Reed was on staff of the Washington University Transgender Center at St. Louis Children's Hospital, working as a case manager. Writing about her experience at the Free Press, Reed details how she saw thousands of distressed teenagers walk through the center's doors, get prescribed life-altering hormones, and in some cases being recommended permanent meatball surgery. Reed says she left the job in November because she realized the center was harming those kids. Now, Missouri Attorney General Andrew Bailey has announced his office has already investigated and is pursuing justice against the Washington University Transgender Center. Bailey says he's already obtained testimony and documentation of some of the abuses Reed was talking about. During last night's big game, you may have seen one of these commercials. That's the He Gets Us campaign attempting to paint Jesus and Christianity in the most politically neutral, loving, and fuzzy-wuzzy light possible. Alexandria Ocasio-Cortez, your thoughts? Something tells me Jesus would not spend millions of dollars on Super Bowl ads to make fascism look benign. And finally, the devil is distancing himself from the Grammys. I mean, the whole thing was, it was just kind of, it was, it was just kind of cringy. Okay? Sam Smith, you know, like what? What can I say about him? He, uh... Hey, Sam Smith is a they. Oh, you're right. I'm so sorry. And that's what happened while we were away. <laughs> that's... Aaron, goodness. Aaron's, uh... You know what? The overtime today. That that threw me off there at the end. Uh, the overtime today, there is a small but very vocal contingent within my inbox. Very much against so-called school choice. One of your voices will join us in the overtime today. She's a big fan of the show, smart gal. So uh, she is going to attempt to correct us on this issue uh, at blazetv.com slash dace. We will record it right after today's show, and then it will be posted later today for all of you that are Blaze TV subscribers at blazetv.com slash D-E-A-C-E, which is also where you can go to become a Blaze TV subscriber today for just 10 bucks a month, blazetv.com slash dace. We're going to get much more into the He Gets Us ads next hour, but uh, just as an aside, what what, and this is... AOC, in a way, is, is making a point I have tried to make on this show for many, many years. There is no way to temper this message. There is no way to make it more palatable. 
in the end, the gospel says you are going to hell. You deserve it. In fact, you even desire it. And the only thing or person who can save you from what you want, which is eternal damnation, isn't named Muhammad or Vishnu or your conscience or doing well or doing better. Is Jesus. In the end, no matter how much frosting and stuff we put on the cake on the outside, how sweet we make it take that, that, that first morsel that, t- that touches the tongue taste, eventually, it's just a spoonful of sugar that helps the medicine go down. Eventually, we get to the medicine here. Well, if we're talking about the real Jesus, we are. We always get to the medicine here. We're always going to have to cross this Rubicon. Hell or heaven? Make the call. We cross it. No matter what window dressing we put onto it, up until that point, eventually we get to this point. Every time. That is if your message has a point. And what AOC is admitting there, as you saw Christianity portrayed in the absolutely most benign politically correct portrayal possible while still claiming any level of orthodoxy. Her response in her sinful state is to call it fascism. I wonder if maybe she is being more honest about what the gospel has to say than the campaign. But we'll get into that more next hour. For now, aliens. So, <laughs> can I can I just get this? I I have to get this in. Okay, I'm just gonna I'm I'm just going to preempt this. My second favorite moment this weekend, Sunday afternoon. I text you and Todd. What the hell is going on with all these UFOs? And you replied pretty instantaneously with your, I think, the fifth kind, uh, close encounter. The, no, the visitors. The visitors. That's okay. what you painted on the wall when the visitor to show the visitors that you were resisting and you'd been, their alien you'd occupation. You've been posting that on, yes. on Twitter. And yeah. I'm like, okay. The V, yes. Uh, okay. Two minutes later, hey, I got uh, Hogwarts Legacy fired up. It's really cool. So <laughs> I don't know if you meant to do that. No, no, there's complete, just random events. So. I think this is the first now in the if you are some of you that are old enough to remember the 50s early 60s I mean Mike Wallace was doing specials black and white on UFOs and extraterrestrial visitors this was very commonplace in mainstream national news reports in the late 50s and early 60s to dis- before the um I can't remember the the commission that the air force started the blue I can't remember what it's called. Project Blue Book. Uh, Thank you. Project Blue Book. Before Project Blue Book, which was essentially designed to stifle all this, before that was launched, it was very common in the news to talk about these sorts of stories frequently. They were out in the open. It's It's not been very common, though, for the last 50 or 60 years. Is that the first time that you can think of, Todd, you can remember an official communication with the U.S. Pentagon where they were in a, in a media setting where they are asked, was this, were these extraterrestrials? Yeah. Can you, can, I can't think of it. No, I can't think of any. Okay. So, 
they somehow mastered navigation of wormholes, interstellar light speed travel, only to come here and send us balloons that our primitive 21st century technology can shoot down. In a multiplicity of shapes, Steve. Don't yes. forget the multiplicity the of shapes. The last one was an octagon, I believe. Yeah. I love how five years ago, if this came up, I mean, you've always been like, aliens, man, watch this documentary. Now you're like, man, I'm tired. <laughs> I just, if anything, I don't want to believe the aliens are this dumb too. Is there anybody smart in this entire freaking cosmos? You traveled all this way and sent us octagon balloons we can blow out of the sky? Steve That's goes your from best? You don't have no cure for cancer? Nothing? Donald octagon balloons? Donald Trump, help me help you. Two yes. days later, Zorgon 4, help me help you. Somebody, somebody show an IQ around here. Someone not be dumb. Because you know what this looks like to me? It looks like to me that the United States and China are bound and determined to start World War III over balloons it would, in what would be the most dystopian sequel to Idiocracy yet. The aliens are not sending us their best people. No, they're not. We don't get... Dude, the aliens are a bunch of degenerate morons, whether they're coming across the border or they're dropping from the sky. All right? Pedro Gonzalez is next. Feel like we are barely holding it together here that uh, okay. at any point in time stuff could hit the fan the self-edit there yeah you're probably not alone that's why i want to check out our friends over at my patriot supply get their three-month emergency food kit right now best offer we've offered yet here on the show 200 dollars off every kit not your bill now off every kit. What's in every kit? Three months of breakfast, lunch, dinner, even drinks and snacks. The full complement of 2,000 plus calories that uh, you and your loved ones need every single day. That's what's in every kit. So now you can save 200 bucks on every kit that you order. Plus, you get free shipping as well. So that you know when we let's go, Brandon, the food supply, and the next time that could never happen here happens here, you are ready and prepared to go. When you go to MyPatriotSupply.com, that's MyPatriotSupply.com. We finally found him. That's why we are eager to welcome him back to the show. We finally found someone in this business who cares even less about having friends than Daniel Horowitz and I do. Uh, and his name is uh, Pedro Gonzalez, and he joins us here on Blaze TV Radio and Podcast. Good to see you, Pedro. Welcome back to the show, man. How are you? I'm well. Thanks for that nice introduction. <laughs> it's like what Harry Truman said. People think I give him hell. No, I just tell them the truth, and they think it's hell, right? So yeah. you, there's right. a c- couple things that I wanted to talk to you about that I saw recently appear in your feed. Let's, let's start with what you had over the weekend as it relates to Russia and Ukraine. 
right? So we've had Neftali Bennett, the former Israeli prime minister, saying, hey, last March I thought I had a, uh, some kind of an accord, maybe even that would lead to a ceasefire uh, between uh, Zelensky and Putin. Putin even made a couple of major concessions. He wouldn't target Zelensky, for example. Just wanted to make sure that Ukraine didn't join NATO. Didn't even have a problem yeah. with Ukraine having a military, just didn't want it to join NATO, right? And then Western elements, he seemed to be kind of hinting he was talking about the Americans, basically stepped in and didn't want that peace accord to occur. Yeah. And now a year later, here we are. Flesh that out a little bit for us about what you have uncovered there. Yeah, so for as much uh, as much trouble as we give the French, they actually seem to be the ones that are most rational and peace-oriented in the question over Ukraine and Russia, because, I mean, this goes back further, and I'll cover this really quickly. In 2006, according to the French, they actually tried to implement a very similar reciprocal, uh, basically, peace agreement between Russia and Ukraine, precisely to avoid this kind of a conflict. But according to a top French diplomat who worked for the late French president, Girac, the United States said no. Specifically, Condoleezza Rice under Bush told the French, uh, no, we don't care if the Russians agree. We don't because they did at the time. The Russians were signaling that they were actually open to this kind of a, of a resolution to the question of Ukraine. Well, the United States, again, specifically the Bush administration, said no. And they said no because they blamed the French for holding up the expansion of NATO. So that was in 2006. Almost no one knows about that. I reported on it after having to transcribe uh, an interview that this French diplomat gave in the last year from, from from French to English. And so we're actually kind of seeing a replay of that, where according to the former prime minister of Israel, as uh, Naftali Bennett, this almost happened again, where, uh, again, Russia was open to ending the conflict peacefully because what, what he said happened occurred right after the conflict began. He said it was the second Saturday was when he was really trying to make this happen and and it looked like it was possible and again russia was open to it but in this in this case again it was the west that said no and he strongly hints that it's the americans that's the term he uses but he also says the west which could mean germany ukraine even and france but again france historically has been the most reasonable on this and all of this ties into the latest revolution uh, revelation excuse me which is that on February 9th, Der Spiegel, uh, Der Spiegel, a, a German magazine, published an interview with Zelensky, and it seemed like he was actually responding to some of the things that Bennett said in his interview, because that interview came out right before. And in that interview, it really kind of humiliated Zelensky, because he said things like Zelensky was really, really worried about Putin killing him, and Bennett had to make Putin give uh, him his word that he would not hurt Zelensky as part of the peace talks. And that according to Bennett, when Putin said that, Zelensky was very, very relieved and then began to publicly reveal his location. And the timeline of that actually kind of checks out if you look at when when Zelensky made his first uh, public selfie at his presidential office. It was right after the time Bennett said that happened. And Zelensky responds to that claim and says, no, that's, that's funny talk. But anyways... What the really consequential thing in that interview with the German magazine is that Zelensky said that he never intended to honor the, the Minsk agreements, which were signed in 2014 and 2015. Mm. And they're basically ceasefire agreements uh, after an insurrection happened in eastern Ukraine in the Donbass region. 
following a U.S.-backed coup in Kiev that brought regime change into the country. Well, there are people in the eastern part of Ukraine who said, you know, we don't identify with this government, we don't view it as legitimate, and so they basically uh, declared independence and created these these two autonomous part uh, regions in the, the the Donbass, which again is in eastern Ukraine. And so it was like the proxy war before the proxy war because you had Russia backing the separatists in eastern Ukraine who were fighting uh, the Ukrainian government forces who, of course, were backed by the, uh, the West and specifically the United States. And the Minsk agreements were negotiated with the help of Germany and France to bring an end to the cease, ceasefire and ultimately bring a lasting peace and solve the, the question of you know, Ukraine and Russia by answering uh, Ukraine's concerns over its territorial integrity and its sovereignty, and also satisfying Russia's security concerns, namely that Ukraine would not be used as a tool of NATO imperialism. And so there was a lot of hope. Uh, right before the war started, actually, um, Germany and France and supposedly the United States were actually pressing to avoid the war by using, uh, by basically trying to make the Minsk Accords uh, work. There were violations on both sides, but it was the last ditch effort to avoid the war on February 24th, right? Well, Zelensky is saying it was all a lie. I never intended to honor the agreements. Not just that Bennett was not telling the truth, and we don't know who's telling the truth, by the way, um, but Zelensky said, no, 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 I never intended to implement them. I always saw them as a, as a way to basically buy time and, and get things that I wanted to get out of this and, and maybe find some other kind of a solution. But he basically said that he went to uh, Macron and Merkel, France and Germany, and said, I, uh, the accords can't work. But publicly, that was not the, the message we were receiving. Mm -hmm. the, publicly, the message we were receiving is Russia, Russia, Russia. Russia is the reason the accords don't work. What's the end game here? I mean, it, it, well, first of all, the, the best thing would have been to have a, a cogent, strong, consistent enough foreign policy that Putin doesn't even launch the invasion. But now we're past that. Can't you know, undo history. He obviously cannot afford to take an L. All right, he's not getting younger. He's push. He's he's pushing seventy. He can't take an L. I mean, he he oversees a kingdom of oligarchs, right? He's just the 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 kind of the chief thug there. If he takes an L, that greatly reduces and diminishes his stature, so he can't afford yeah. that. There yeah. is clearly yeah. a Russian-speaking uh, population there in eastern Ukraine that would prefer to be Russian. Um, the West seems bound and determined to have this thing just go on into perpetuity in a war that Ukraine probably can't win, but you know maybe with enough Western support won't lose either. So we just keep killing people. To what end? What? How do we get out of this, Pedro? Diplomacy. And I think that there's a kind of Gordian knot here, right? Because if you say the D word, then it's like, oh, so you're pro-Putin. And everything I just now, of course, people could, some people could construe as being a defense of Putin and all that. But look, here are the facts. The West, although it tells us that its enemies, it, it, its ideological enemies like Russia are liars. I mean, there's a ton of evidence now that the West has, has been uh, misleading, at least about its, about its intentions and its goals with, with regard to Russia. In my article that I wrote about this, which you can read at contra.substack.com, I also noted that Merkel in December told a German newspaper the same thing, except she even put a finer point on it. She said, we always saw the Minsk ceasefire agreements as a way to buy Ukraine time to strengthen itself for a confrontation with Russia. That's not the point of a peace agreement. Hmm. You know, and, and so you have Western leaders who publicly have been saying, you know, we're doves, we want peace. 
finally, you know, when the cat is out of the bag, revealing peace was never the goal. The goal was always to find some way to basically to to affect essentially regime change in Russia. And so I think the end game for us as Americans is to demand a diplomatic resolution to the war. And, and it's ultimately it's immediate end because you're right for Russia. This is like an existential crisis for, for Americans. It's not, you know, this doesn't directly affect us. Uh, but but Russia views it as an existential crisis where there is no there is no way to lose. Now that's not to say that Putin might not surprise us and actually just you know kind of throw a towel or something. That's that's totally a possibility. I mean, the the one thing that we can take away from this conflict is that so many people have, who have tried to analyze it and predict it and understand it have been wrong just because of the nature of things. But you're that is the main. Uh, issue is that for Russia, this does seem to be existential, which implies, you know, a nuclear last ditch effort to prevent itself from losing. But as it stands, you hear this more and more in the West that if Russia is not winning, it's at least certain right now, as I'm speaking, because things could change at any time, that Ukraine cannot win unless the West gets even more involved. Mm -hmm. And obviously that's bad because it's just a, a cascade of escalations. So as Americans, we should obviously just want a diplomatic resolution to this uh, as soon as possible. Let's talk domestically in the next five minutes I have with you. And you have been throwing around a phrase recently I have taken interest in because I find it fascinating. MAGA Inc. Right? So I mean, yeah. you are, you're like Barbara Mandrell, man. You were America first when America first wasn't cool. Okay. Like you're like, you're like an, that's what I first heard about you. You're like an OG. All right. Where this you know, kind of newfound right of center surge of populism is concerned. So to hear you toss around this term, I find fascinating. And I, I get an email, you know, I live in Iowa. Um, I get very involved in the caucus process. So I hear everything about presidential politics constantly in my line of work. I get one of these kinds of emails about every day. Uh, I got this from a guy named Galen. I have a question I hope that you can address at some point. I keep reading comments on blogs that Ron DeSantis is a phony because he is taking rhino money, and I've read that he's Jeb Bush adjacent. I try to stay on top of these things, but I find everything I, you know that gets thrown at us difficult to stay on top of. Um, you know, can you clarify this for me? And yeah. what, what, what if what oh, if God. Jeb Bush? What if we find out that literally Ron DeSantis is Jeb Bush's love child? Like he's the only, he, he sired him. He carries his DNA and has been solely, he's his Miss Havisham and, and, and Ron DeSantis is Pip and, and, and Jeb Bush has been solely backing him this entire time. Does Ron DeSantis have a record? So I'm kind of new to this, you know, I, I kind of got dragged kicking and screaming as an original conservative ideologue into the orbit that people like you have inhabited before uh, I, I took it seriously. And mainly I got dragged kicking and screaming into it because I just had to finally keep admitting that a lot of the institutions I was trying to conserve were completely just against me now and I'm not conserving anything but my enemy. Okay, so help me understand how things operate in you guys' habitat. Do records of politicians not matter at all? Like Ron DeSantis was never governor, never happened. Jeb Bush stood behind him at a second inaugural, and that cancels everything out. But Donald Trump stands next to Lindsey Graham to announce his presidential campaign, and that's totes legit. How does that work in you guys' yeah. orbit? Because I don't understand it. Yeah, oh, I think the, the takeaway from the Trump era is that on the one hand, uh, we have to think about things clearly and, and independent of, of, you know, what other people might say, often people who are paid to say certain things. And on the other hand, that 
I mean, this is this is a this this should be obvious, but it was a lesson that I learned the hard way because I was you know a huge Trump defender. I mean, you can look. Did we lose Pedro there? Did he cut out on us? In one prince, there has to be a man. Start that sentence again there, Pedro. You kind of cut out on us again. You said you were a huge Trump, and then oh, they cut out. So start that again, please. Go ahead. Yeah. Uh, okay. Yeah. The, the basic. Have we lost him? All right. Let's see if we can get. And so records. Okay, we're going to drop and reconnect. Okay. If we can. Okay. We got about two minutes. Let's just get him on audio because I want him to make this point. Can we just do that? Would that be faster? If we could just do that. And let me just drop and reconnect real quick. Okay. So, I mean, if you if you think Donald Trump has a better record than Ron DeSantis in an executive office, you should probably support him in the primary and you won't get any argument out of me. I don't... I Help me understand, though... It doesn't matter who Ron, who Donald Trump stands next to. That's totes cool. We look at his record, but it does matter who Ron DeSantis stands next to, but we don't look at his record. All right, we have Pedro back. Go ahead, Pedro. The floor is yours. Yeah. Okay. So records do matter, and we have a record for Trump. You know, we know that he put Jared Kushner in charge of his policy shop as president, which is why you got the first step act. Uh, and you didn't get this America first foreign policy because we were preoccupied with ridiculous things like letting dangerous felons out of prison, right? That's why you got a pardon for Jared Kushner's uh, father, Charles Kushner, toward the end of the Trump administration instead of pardons for other people who probably deserve one. Uh, we know that, you know, that Trump not only endorsed Paul Ryan, but defended him from his critics and put basically outsourced a good deal of his first term agenda in the first two years of his presidency to Paul Ryan. You know, we know that Trump endorsed Mitch McConnell. We know that before he turned on him, of course, because Mitch McConnell stopped being useful to Trump. We know that just recently Trump came down on the side of Kevin McCarthy and Ronna McDaniel against his own base that were trying to challenge them. We, we can look at Trump's record we, we, because he was actually president of the United States at one point, And we can see that there's this fundamental inconsistency of, oh, you know, Jeb Bush uh, likes uh, DeSantis and has said nice things about him. The Trump administration was filled with Bush people. That's why you had this dramatic inconsistency between America first rhetoric and America first policy. And that's the long and short of it. But you're being there are people who are paid to kind of muddy the waters and to confuse you and basically pretend that we don't actually have a record from Trump that we can look back and evaluate. That's And, you, and that's what you call MAGA Inc.? People. So would yes. that be like Alex Bruslowitz and people like that? Is that kind of who I think that's how it's pronounced? Is that kind of whom you're referring to? It's anybody who is obviously misconstruing what we saw for four years of Trump and is pretending that that did not happen. It's anyone who's, you know, not raising an eyebrow when Trump says we built the wall. That's not true. He didn't build the wall because of the people that he surrounded himself with and filled his administration with and are still actually connected to his world. The worst people from the Trump administration went on to go found the America First Policy Institute, Trump's official think tank, which is being called the White House and waiting for a second Trump term. None of the people that work there have ever been held accountable. Trump is still helping them fundraise. He's still headlining their events. These are the worst people from the first administration who betrayed his base. People like Brooke Rollins who told Trump, you can't crack down on the BLM riders because it'll look racist. And then Trump agreed and listened to her. These people are basically just waiting to fill a second White House. And if you're not being told the truth about him, then that's how it is. All right, Pedro, we're out of time. We, I want to have you back, though, and get your thoughts on what you're concerned about where Ron DeSantis is concerned. 
as a presidential candidate. I want to have that conversation with you at some point here in the near future as well. Appreciate your work, brother. God bless you. Take care. All right. Thank you. All right. You bet. Pedro Gonzalez, if you are not following his stuff, um, you're just not as smart as you need to be. Back here with Hour 2, live and on demand on Blaze TV, radio, and podcast. Steve Dace here with Todd Erzin and Aaron McIntyre. And you can let us know what you think about what we think via the SteveDace.com inbox. Take advantage of that by emailing the show, Steve at SteveDace.com. That's D-E-A-C-E. Like us on Facebook, MeWe, and Gab. You can follow me at Steve Dace Show on Twitter, Gitter. Instagram and TikTok and find me over on Truth Social at Real Steve Dace there. That's at Real Steve Dace on Truth Social. And again, that's D-E-A-C-E. That is how the last name is spelled. Uh, I want to thank all of you that listen via the podcast. You are a big reason uh, that uh, our show continues to grow and we continue to stay gainfully employed. Please, if you have yet to do this, leave us a five-star review. If you like us, of course. If you don't, maybe just keep that information to yourself, okay? Uh, But if you like the show at all, just go right to five stars. Just totally embellish. Uh, And thank you to all of you that have embellished for us already. And you can also hit subscribe or follow on the podcast platform of your choice in order uh, to help us continue to grow the show and gain and curry the favor of the very fickle algorithmic gods that now govern us all this part of the show brought to you by jace medical remember when there was a deadly pandemic and they told you nobel prize winning drugs and other drugs that had been fda cleared since the 60s were now dangerous and you shouldn't use them but you should use this failed cancer drug with a black box warning that'll give you renal failure instead or you should use the one that actually gives you covid Use that one instead. Remember? Yeah. Um, If you don't remember, tomorrow, when when Rise of the Fourth Reich comes out, you will be made to remember. All right? So that is releasing tomorrow, by the way. Uh, If you want to get your order in now, you can do so. Rise of the Fourth Reich confronting COVID fascism with a new Nuremberg trial. So this never happens again. That is releasing tomorrow. Hell of a Valentine's Day gift for for America. Tribunals. But that's what, that's what I want for my Valentine's tribunals. To make sure they don't get to do this to you again, get the Jace case from our friends at Jace Medical. J as in jump at this right this very moment. JaceMedical.com. That's JaceMedical.com. Get a supply of some of the most venerable antibiotics in the world. Um, amoxicycline. I'm sorry, moxicycline, amoxicillin and doxycycline for those of us that are allergic, for example, to the family of penicillin medications, as I am. Doxycycline is a very effective and easy to tolerate alternative antibiotic because if they did this to us before, they will absolutely try to do it again. Make sure you are prepared. Go to jacemedical.com, J-A-S-E, jacemedical.com, and use the promo code DACE10 to get $10 off. The promo code DACE10 to get $10 off at jacemedical.com. 
So, yesterday, during the Super Bowl, it is quite possible that more people at one, all at once in the world heard the name of Jesus proclaimed in a mass corporate setting than have heard the zenith of Billy Graham crusades, um, maybe, you know, during the height of the Cold War, um, uh, before the attempted assassination when Pope John Paul was a frequent traveler across the world. I mean, and even then, I don't know, with the the masses that are connected to portable devices and things of that nature, that it approaches the audience that heard the name of Jesus proclaimed last night in the Super Bowl, courtesy of this campaign called He Gets Us. Now, these ads have been showing up in sporting events Really, all football season, they've been very rather ubiquitous. But last night, they gained a new layer of traction. There were numerous articles written about this uh, from CNN to Forbes. Twenty million dollars is what was spent to get these ads on the Super Bowl last night. A lot of you have questions about these ads. Let's start with a few tweets that uh, either. I commented on or others did. Okay. I, I, you know, when you watch their ads, it's, it's fascinating to me the difference in how the church confronted modern skepticism a century ago compared to what it does today. So you guys have heard the term fundamentalist before. Uh, that comes from a series of writings and tracks called the fundamentals that were uh, published by theologians and funded by... Uh, prominent uh, members of the business community who were concerned coming out of modern skepticism, post-Darwinianism, progressivism, that the church was losing its salt, that America was becoming an apostate nation. So they published this thing called the fundamentals about the fundamental to reset and, and reproclaim the fundamental truths of Christianity. And they, they spent a lot of money at that time to get these out to the entire country. That's how the church confronted modern skepticism a century ago. What the church is doing now, and if you look into who is funding the He Gets Us campaign, a lot of it is anonymous, but people, some of them that aren't, people associated with the Fellowship of Christian Athletes, uh, the Green family from Hobby Lobby, Lord knows they have certainly taken on the spirit of the age, right? All the way to the U.S. Supreme Court, okay? Yeah. So these are some prominent names within American evangelicalism that are responsible for these ads. But if you look at the ads, they're actually void, now, of any of the fundamentals at all. And, and if you read what they, when they do go on the record, they openly say, they openly say that the intention of these ads is to focus on Christ's humanity instead of his divinity and lordship, right? So a century ago, when faced with modern skepticism, the church reasserted the, the supremacy of the scriptures, the lordship and divinity of Christ. They went back to the fundamentals. A century later, when faced with modern skepticism, the church is now coming back with a focus on Jesus's humanity. And I got to tell you, maybe I'm misreading this, but I, I think the church, had, or I think the world has gotten, a, a, you know, going back to the seeker sensitive movement and everything else. Um, and then you had the emerging church, um, the new evangelicalism, um, whatever in the Sam Hill Pope Francis is, 
Your guess is as good as mine, Todd. Um, I think the I think the I think the world has gotten a lot of the emotion-based message. Jesus is a buddy. Jesus is a friend. Jesus is a soothsayer. I mean, I don't know, but it seems like that they got that one. I think they've kind of we've kind of internalized that one. I mean, I just maybe in another era where the church was known for being a little bit too ri- more uh, too rigid, maybe that appeal would have seemed more nuanced or avant-garde, but does approaching this with an emotional message and a, and a Jesus that is not leading with his lordship or divinity, does that strike you as a message that probably a lot of people are just hearing for the first time in modern the modern world? No, but they've often heard it, A, either very badly, or B, with no real genuine intention behind it, an act of subterfuge. Mm-hmm. It's possible, for the sake of argument, that this is... It's for the first time done with good intentions and maybe done authentically. And here's where I'm interested, where Steve's two sides go on, because here it's like, uh, I'm not filing for the banana and the tailpipe kind of thing. But also you've said m- multiple times on this show. So I know you're open to it. Mm-hmm. And including just last week, I don't remember the context or who we're we talking to about how you used to be able to start conversations and sure. people expect with reason yep. and then it became now it's flipped because people are you make te- the testimonial appeal exactly first. and yeah. now it's because of the visuals that's what we're talking we're talking about visual presentation mm-hmm. it's a, everything is emotion first and yep. you, you somehow have to acknowledge that and i've also pointed out on the show many times in order to make the connection of how much god loves us what it meant for God to put himself in a human form. Mm-hmm. The the things he, by his standards, had to debase himself with to experience, to personally experience the human condition, right? The burping, the changing, the, mm-hmm. the, 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 you know, the hunger, the thirst, right? Okay. So, yeah. And so, now I would make the case that my point of doing that was to point people to the lordship and divinity of Christ, to, to, to show what he left behind to come to us, and then what he wants to take us to. Not to just make that the the end the end all and be all of itself. And you're left wondering right now, yeah, at yeah, the yes. best, at best. Yeah. All right, so let's get to the next tweet about this, Aaron. Um, Charlie Kirk uh, points out, um, you know, the immigration ads... Um, about to, you know, Jesus also was a refugee is one of the ads. Um, do you think open borders are biblical? To which I replied when, when someone presents an image or narrative of Christ minus his prime directive at, and we're going to get to that prime directive in a minute. Okay. At best, they are naively watering down the gospel to appear, appeal to itching ears, which again, I, I think we have done that quite a bit for the last few decades, especially in the West. You know, we, we, we sold a lot of books, we filled a lot of churches, and we, we ministered over an apostate culture. I, I, I think we've tried this tactic before, and it didn't work. So at best, we're trying it again, or at worst, dot, dot, dot. Next tweet. Let's go to the next one here. This is from 
Lord Nefarious himself, who says, we have so beaten you down that you are spending $20 million running ads during the Super Bowl, reducing the carpenter, carpenter to a mere buddy and not a savior, which only proves how afraid of even contemplating offending this wretched world you are, which means we win. Again, I go back to last hour and the tweet from uh, Alexandria Ocasio-Cortez. I mean, her response to getting the softest possible sell you could, you could ask for that still maintains any shred of orthodoxy was to call it fascism. And that's what Lord Nefarious is referring to here. That's the last tweet, right, Aaron? Okay. So, last Sunday, around 10 million people saw a mock satanic ritual at the Grammys. This Sunday, almost the entire planet that has access to modern communications and what is the most watched event on this planet every year saw a portrayal of Jesus. That's quite the dichotomy, man. Now, I feel real convicted talking about this even more than I normally would because trust me, this was the conversation we're about to have was very specifically highlighted in my personal pre-show prayer today. Especially, you know, we're going through Proverbs at our church. We did Proverbs 6 yesterday. And, you know, that's the seven deadly sins, as they're often referred to. Six things the Lord hates, seven he finds detestable. And one of them is those who stir up division, dissension among the brethren, right? Now, that is within the context of doing so to spread dishonesty and heresy, because all the other things, a lying tongue, all those other things, that, that's the final statement, and all of the rest of them clearly show for the intention of mimicking their father, the father of lies, who was a murderer from the beginning, the enemy, right? The Bible spends a good deal of time drawing discriminating distinctions between truth and error. So it clearly doesn't, doesn't find the exposing of error for the for the proclamation of truth to be divisive it finds um undermining the truth for the purposes of perpetuating error to be what is divisive so nevertheless i want to make sure we're not crossing that line so we need a standard and if we and the standard shouldn't be us or really any human being within the sound of our voice regardless of how many theology degrees Let's make the scriptures the standard. So the hermeneutic by which we're going to have this conversation. And in a minute, we're going to watch all seven of the 30 second commercials in English that he gets us has produced. We're going to watch them here this hour on the show. And we're not going to ask each other, what do you think? Or... What's that? What does that mean to you? Because what is the one question I always say should never be asked in any small group setting because no one should ever care. That one? That one. Yeah. No one cares what it means to you. All that matters. No, who are you? Who the hell are you? Just you. Okay. What matters is, is it true? So we need a plumb line, right? That can't be our feelings, our biases. Otherwise, aren't we kind of exactly becoming what we claim that we're against, right? Yes. So what's the objective framework here? The scriptures. Okay, since this is a biblical worldview show and it's hosted by a sola scriptura guy, it's going to be the scriptures. Three in particular. So I'm not just cherry picking here. Okay. 
Jesus tells Pontius Pilate, for this reason, I came into the world to testify to the truth. So number one, are the videos that we are about to watch, do they testify to the truth? What is that truth? Well, Jesus says in the gospel of Luke, the son of man came into the world to seek and save that which is lost or to seek and save the lost who are the lost. He's referring to people who are outside the covenant of God, who are estranged from God because of their sin. And how do we know that's what he means? Because the first time the arrival of Christ is proclaimed as Messiah is by the angel Gabriel, who says to his mother Mary, he will save the people from their sins. So Jesus says, I, the son of man came to me, came, he's applying it first person, came to seek and save that which is lost, to save that which is lost. Who are the lost? His mother is told at the moment that his arrival is proclaimed. He will save the people. What, are these, what is he saving them from? Their sins. He is saving them from their sins. Any objection to those three bullet points as the hermeneutic we're going to judge what we're about to watch through? Everybody okay with those three things? Want to comment on those three things before we move on? So stipulated or correlated? What do you think? Very simple, not that many moving parts. That's important. Don't want to be accused that we are engaging in a sleight of hand or anything like that. This is all cards on the table. Nope, I'm good with that. Now, did I claim that was the soulness, S-O-L-E, of his mission? That was the soulness of his mission. Did I say that? No. Jesus comes out of the wilderness, first public... Um, proclamation of his messiahship he gives in his hometown. He's handed the scroll of Isaiah. He reads from Isaiah 61 about the messianic uh, ministry, recovery of sight to the blind, make the, uh, make the dumb speak, uh, set the captives free. Re okay. And then he applies it to himself today. This is fulfilled in the Lord's hearing. Okay. So I'm not saying it is the soulness. Those three things are the soulness of his, of his purpose. Any more, I mean, our prime directive on this show is a biblical worldview. It is not, however, our sole directive. We have to be profitable, for example, right? Right. That's why we try not to be boring. That's why we try to, you know, we have, we try to have a flair, try to be entertaining. Can't, so it's, it's, it's not our sole directive, but it is our primary directive. And that's how we're categorizing those three verses we're citing. Not his sole directive, right? Okay. He does want to restore the fathers to their sons and the sons to the fathers. All right. He does want to do those things. But the prime directive by which we, are, we, are, we make those things happen, we're going to say are those three things. To testify to the truth, to seek and save that and whom is lost or that which is lost and to save the people from their sins. That's the prime directive. Because that then, that then puts into context the other aspects of his mission. Let me, let me put it to you very bluntly here. You're not a believer and you're struggling in your marriage. You go to a church that is willing to give you counseling to keep your marriage together. 
Do you believe knowing the future that if your husband left you, went through with the divorce and left you, and it would, it would so humble you and break you that you would then turn your life over to Christ. Ask him to save you from your sins. Do you believe Jesus would rather have that outcome or your marriage is saved and kept together? Neither one of you ever repent of your sins. Neither one of you ever experience salvation. And both of you end up in hell, eternally separated from him. Which outcome do you believe Christ died on the cross for? Can I put it more bluntly than that? I doubt it. It's clearly the former. Because he also said, don't think I came to bring peace. I came to, I didn't, I didn't, I came to bring a sword. That's what the truth does. It divides. Okay. And then unity is found amongst those of us who accept the truth. Division is found with amongst those who do not. So I mean, that's, that's what we mean by a prime directive. Yes, God wants to save your marriage, but not more than he wants to save you and your soul. Otherwise that would make your marriage into an idol. Is a marriage a holy thing? Yes. Is Yes. Is it an eternal thing? No. Is your soul an eternal thing? Yes. Yes. That makes sense? Yeah. Any further comments or anything before we move on? I think we should let her rip. All right. It's going to be interesting. Let's start the very first one. Aaron, go ahead. There was this controversial figure. Everywhere he went, people challenged him. They questioned his ideology, trolled him, called him ugly names. But he never took the bait, never raised his voice, refused to retaliate because he believed he could change the world by turning the other cheek. It's the words Jesus had to control his outrage too. He gets us, all of us. Okay. That's the worst one of those I've ever seen. You think so? Yeah. All right, so let's take these one by one. Does that testify to the truth in your view? No. Why? Well, it's, it just doesn't fly with a one-time reading of the scriptures. It's not particularly new. It's that Jesus showed anger both yeah. physically and verbally. I, I mean, you could, what you do with that, how you've, that needs to go a little deeper, but you read it once and you realize that that's, that's not on the mark. Right. Jesus was God. So when he saw when when he when he saw people, he took pity on them. He didn't have some sort of pent up outrage against the the system, like is being being um, kind of discussed in that or, or portrayed, I should say, in that in that spot. And as Todd said, the system of the time, it, it wasn't like he was just holding his tongue all of the time. No, he on the regular confronted the religious leaders, as Todd said, sometimes physically changing uh, turning over the money changers table so i it's a theme that i'm going to hit on here i have a feeling he called them broods of vipers broods of vipers false a theme. teachers whitewashed yes. tombs if you are blind guides portraying let's just say steven your worst moments maybe uh, as a boss as a husband that's the only thing anybody ever knows of you is that a fair portrayal no. of your life no the inverse is true yeah 
The other, the other factor here is, are we or are we not Trinitarians? Correct. So whom is the God yeah. Moses speaks to? Whom is the God Ezekiel speaks to? Whom is the God Isaiah speaks to? Whom is the God that says to Joshua, the general of the army, go into Canaan by the sword of you and your people, hit the control alt delete button. Whom is that God who does that? Him. It's him. So this is, this is at best a form of reductionism. We are, we have just reduced Jesus to one particular chapter of his Lordship and divinity in order to express a commonality within his humanity. Except over the long course of eternity, his eternal existence. What if we did it, if we did a graph, we couldn't adequately do one of eternity, but to the, if we just did a graph to try to represent eternity, a line graph, which section of that line graph would indicate the time in which he was human? And which section within that line graph would indicate the time in which he was God? The entire thing, even while he was human, mm-hmm. would indicate the time in which he was God. Mm-hmm. And then there would be this very brief 30 plus year period over the entire course of, of history, cosmically, where he is God. So then why would we make broad-based judgments and assessments about the briefest period of time of anyone's existence, let alone the most powerful being in the entire universe. Why and would then, we do that? And then considering that one brief of time to not focus on the penulti- penultimate point, which, and to use their language, outrage, why does that cross happen? Because sin is an outrage. Mm-hmm. So apply your language all the way through. I mean, you, it's your standard that cross happens because sin isn't just like eh, a boo-boo, a disagreement. Right. No, it's an outrage. The, the Proverbs 6 that I just mentioned a minute ago, the seven deadly sins. So these are the things Jesus hates. Yeah. God hates these things, finds them detestable, can't stand them. All right. So then if, if, if it doesn't pass the first threshold, then there's probably not even a point of going to the other two then, right? Because right. the very oh, first well, one, yeah. it doesn't, we don't think it testifies to the truth. All three of us agree. Right. Okay, let's play the next one. That's all for one. There was an influencer who became insanely popular. Everybody started following him. Then one day, he stood up for something he believed in. People got angry. The establishment called him an extremist, said he shouldn't be allowed to share his views. They would stop at nothing to shut him up. So they did what they had to do. They nailed him to a cross. This is much more clever, much more well done. Um, you know, again, it re- it's it's it does that thing where it relates to people on a here and now level. It's not an old dusty tome, and so then you can pull it out. I mean, it's at least there's a conversation okay. to have here. So, in your we- view, does it pass the? It passes the first muster in your view. It testifies to the truth to some degree. Assuming they all have good intentions, I think this. We have to assume, don't we, on some level? I, I guess. This well, that's w- the conversation we're going to have when we get done with the videos, yeah. but okay. Yeah, Yeah. this one is, okay. this one does. Does this pass your first threshold, Aaron? Not really, it? no. I, I don't, I think just calling him an influencer, again, it's reductionism. It's not telling the totality of who he is, but I understand what, what Todd is saying as well, so, but to me, it doesn't 
Pat this is kind of the Bill O'Reilly argument, right? This is the killing Jesus argument yeah. that he was killed over um, upsetting the establishment and taxation and things of that nature. Okay, let's go to the second threshold then. He came to seek and save that which is lost. Is that communicated in that message? No. Nope. This is just a... This is just a Jesus that is... Jesus is revolutionary. Revolutionary, yeah. He's an anti-establishmentarian. Yeah. Mm -hmm. Well... What do you think, Todd? It's more subtle if it is. I, I'm tr I'm, after being so hard on the last one, it's talking of the lost are often people who, again, think their life uh, is quite put together. And the minute they are tested or challenged mm -hmm. in any way... Sure. They will turn on you like that. That, yeah. that that's in there again. Okay. It's a, it's a bit more subtle. Okay. Then let's go to the third threshold. He will save the people from their sins. Is, do you think that's in that message? Well, this is where the all it's left at a cliffhanger. So they crucified him. So for what reason? Why? What does that? What does that cross mm -hmm. ultimately mean? I mean, are you so far? You've talking. You've spoken about us. What what does that is that cross again? Just are we still talking about us? And mm -hmm. sometimes we're mean to people, or is what Jesus done with that? Is that a, not an end but a beginning? What do you think? What do you think? No, no, I don't think it. I don't think it says anything about that. This is just again. In, it, let's give benefit of the doubt as much as possible. This is a thirty second. They're trying to pack big messages into thirty seconds. Right. So that maybe has to be a part of our rubric as well. Uh, overall, but I, you know, you can still, I'm sure you can still do that. It takes a little bit more creativity, but I don't think that was really, it, this was a guy who had a lot of influence, made people mad. And so they hung him. That was the, that was the story there. How many seconds does it take to say, God doesn't want you to end up in hell. Yeah. Repent of your sins and come to Christ and he'll forgive you. How many seconds did it take me to say that? Not many. That's been tried, too. It's got a pretty successful track record, from what I recall. But this generation? Every generation. When tried. We're going to get our new friends at Constitution Wealth on the show here soon. Uh, these guys are knowledgeable, fiery, passionate, pull no punches. Sounds like a pretty good fit for this program. All right. And they know their stuff. They want to help you align your portfolio or your investments with your values. They don't have to be at loggerheads any longer. You can get the ROI and the yield you want and not sell your soul in the process. They want to help you militarize your portfolio. Um, have it not just be put to use for you financially, but also uh, when it comes to the culture war at the exact same time. Go to constitutionwealth.com slash Steve to schedule a free consultation. They want to help make sure your financial decisions are influenced by your convictions, your passions, your values. Not just mammon. Constitutionwealth.com slash Steve is where you want to go for that free consultation from one of their conservative financial managers at constitutionwealth.com slash Steve. Again, constitutionwealth.com slash Steve. All right, let's continue on with a look at He Gets Us. We have our, we're on clip three, correct? Yep. All right, here's the third one. A rebel took to the streets. He recruited others to join him. 
They roamed the hood and challenged authority. Community leaders feared them. Religious leaders abhorred them. We have to get them off the streets, they said. But they weren't part of a gang spreading hate and terror. They were spreading love. It goes on to say there, for those listening on the podcast, Jesus was wrongly judged. He gets us. All right, Aaron, I'm going to start with you this time. First threshold, Jesus says, for this reason, I came into the world to testify to the truth. Does that testify to the truth? Uh, again, no. It, I, I'm, I'm somewhat conflicted here because my answer is, is the same on all of these. I realize that they've got 30 seconds. They're trying to make a hook. Um, but... If you're not saying the totality, it's it's one thing. It's one thing if you get the totality of somebody or something wrong. When you get the totality wrong, like you're you're selling you're selling a version of Jesus that is not the Jesus, or just one aspect of Jesus that doesn't take into account who he actually is. So if you're not doing that, then I'm still saying no. If you're not actually taking into account the totality of who he is, I'm, I can't, I can't buy on any of these. Todd, uh, I'm trying to use their words, and in this one, I'm in the same place as the first one. And he's Jesus was not a rebel. This this falls flat on the first standard. We're the rebels. Yes. Jesus was the truth. Mm -hmm. He was the standard. We're the rebels. So it gets it back. Now, and it's frustrating for me because I know this is what the visuals, what he's trying to do there is what we talked about with um, the Mark Wahlberg uh, movie about Father Stu. Like people had a problem with the language. Well, it's showing you. Tattoos, people that may make you feel uncomfortable, but the gospel goes every... I mean, again, I could have a conversation with that. It's not all empty food, but that word there, rebel, it doesn't help. It only leads astray. All right, we won't go on to the other two then, if you guys don't think it passes the first one. All right, here's clip four. A caring man took a walk. He saw people suffering. Anxiety ran high. Hatred rose. I'll prepare a feast and bring them together, he thought. But some refused to join him. He was heartbroken because he wanted everyone to be filled, not with food and wine, but with compassion. All right, closes there for those of you on the podcast. Jesus welcomed all to the table. He gets us. Aaron, back to you. Does that testify to the truth? No. Because, again, it's one aspect. Did, did Jesus do any confronting? He did a little bit of that, didn't he? Now, did he do? Was he a compassionate man? Yes. Did he heal? Did he um, uh, welcome all as he, as he traveled? Uh, you know, in the way that they mean it, I think yes. That wasn't all that Jesus was. That wasn't all that he was or all that he came to do. So, no, it doesn't pass the threshold. So is your kind of default position is even if there's a ring of truth here, because it's reductionism in general, it's not the truth in context. Is that kind of your position as a default? Here's here's what I mean. And I'll I'll answer your question by answering somebody who who tweeted at us here in the last few minutes listening into this conversation. Uh, Steve-O1962 on Twitter. You, you have to keep in mind, I don't think they are trying to pack big messages into 30 seconds. 
I think they're trying to grab attention of the younger generations and get to them to think, maybe I should go to this website and find out about Jesus. I think Steve-O is actually correct. So, I, just, I just think that this is, they're selling a Jesus that is not the real Jesus. Okay. So I think this actually could be successful on that reason. I like this Jesus. He's a lot like me. He's like me. In other, I'm going to say my overall thing for the for the end of this conversation. Okay. Todd, does this does this get to your first threshold? Does it testify to the truth to you? It's to to get people, all people, to the same table in some base level of non-threatening fellowship which obviously in again this this harkens to one thing like this the other one i liked influencer it's not the fullness by but it's something here now people can relate to here now people can relate like we can't talk to anybody you're, you're this tribe you're that tribe like it there is there is a ring of truth in that that we sitting down in our differences as just a starting point over a beer, over a meal, being able to tolerate that is something. Okay. Then number two, does it communicate that he came to seek and save that which is lost? Uh, it's entirely unclear to me uh, because I was trying to be vent of that, that, that it was so saccharine, so sugary. The or is he a media, just a, is he a galactic mediator? See, the music choice, I can't even go beyond my, I wanted to give it the benefit on the first one. I can't on the second one because I don't, after that, okay, you clearly don't have two heads. You clearly, now can we, t where's the meat on the bone? We need to get past this. I don't, okay. I don't know. How many more do we have? Three more? Uh, yeah, three or four. All right, let's get to, the, 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 let's do two more because we're going to run short on time. A girl got pregnant. She was scared. Her parents thought her boyfriend was the father, but the baby wasn't his. He loved her, so he offered to raise the child with her. One evening, her water broke. There wasn't time to get help. He delivered the child and lay him in a manger. And it says Jesus was born to a teen mom. He gets us. Todd, does that testify to the truth? No, no, I think I'm defaulting to Aaron. I'm really trying to, my pause there, you heard, I'm trying, I'm really, as you can probably see it in me. I mean, um, but th this has been done before. It's often a lazy trope about unwed teenage mother kind of thing, which does not actually recognize what the, the Jewish tradition, who she and Mary and Joseph were to one another. Right. And this is just, I th again, there's, there. Right in their it's, tradition, she didn't have the uh, the option to kill her kid. It yeah. was a question of whether she'd actually get killed or not. She would get stoned or not. It's, it's yeah. sometimes it, whatever your best intentions with thirty seconds here. This just runs the risk of being way too shallow. Aaron, what do you think? I actually thought this one was the best one, oh, but it still doesn't mm -hmm. testify to the truth. I mean, because Joseph loved Mary, he actually sought to. To, to do away with the marriage. It wasn't until God intervened through an right, angel. Right, so that she would then not be accused of adultery. Yeah. Because under under Mosaic law, an engagement means you are married in every way mm -hmm. other than the conjugal way. And so she had committed adultery. Yeah, but go ahead. So, yeah, I still don't think it, it testifies to the truth. But I thought this one, and let me make this very, very quick because we're running a little on time. 
I thought this one was the best one because it, it actually, um, it actually hits on a concept that I actually think could be really cool. What if they did the same kind of concept except for people who were around Jesus, the people that he met, the Zacchaeus, mm-hmm. the women, the, uh, the 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 I'm thinking of uh, one of the women uh, who came up to him and and had, you know tugged at the hem of his garments. What if they did this style of thing, and then this person saw a man. And then you go off to the website there because that's putting us in the shoes that we actually should be in. We are like the sinners. We are like the sinners who Jesus came into contact, uh, contact with relatable to them. Warts and all. I think that's a better concept. One last one. Those of you listening, there's just a bunch of scenes of destitution with the words Jesus struggled to make ends meet to. Does that testify I, to the truth, Todd? No. And, no. This and is this, the worst one, This maybe. is the worst one. But it because, I, we had, Aaron had to break in because for the first time, there were no... <laughs> there was no narrator. A, a, right. And you got to take in the hardships of life. But... But then that's when the words do finally come when you haven't had any, they needs to be a payoff more than like, I didn't quite make rent this week. I, it's you, this, I mean, so this, far short yeah. of what that one could have been. This was the worst one. Yeah. Jesus is God. He never struggled to make ends meet. In fact, when they were short because he was God, he was able to, Feed 5,000 with right. just loaves and fish because right, 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 he's God. Because right. he's God. Because he's God. Something like at the end, you were, you know, like it, a lot of people like the, the footprints prayer, but like you, you were never actually alone. Mm-hmm. I'm here. You know, it, it could have been, I'm just spitballing now, but that, I, that's the only words you pull out of is sad. Yeah, we're, okay, we're going to, we'll cut it off there. We didn't get to the, maybe the worst one, the open borders one. I've done this every Christmas the last few years. Mary and Joseph were not refugees. They did not yeah. escape to a foreign country. Um, both Egypt and Palestine were under direct jurisdiction of the Roman government. It's more like the uh, the Dukes yeah, yeah, leaving yeah. one county of Georgia uh, to escape Boss Hog and his jurisdiction than another. They were all they're all Roman subjects. They didn't come across the border illegally into Egypt and get amnesty. Okay, I mean this they were these were these were all provinces of one sovereign nation. So it's not. It's not the same thing at all. And we, we have this every Christmas. I have to, you know, deconstruct this trope. So the key question I think a lot of our people are going to have is, are these pithy messages, and you brought it up a, minute, a few minutes ago from a, a tweeter, Aaron, are they pointing people to another source where they could go to get the more complete picture? Perfectly fair. Because, Todd, you have said you, you've tried to be exceedingly fair to your credit. Um, and you have pointed out, I mean, it's hard to communicate these kinds of complex truths in 30 seconds. So there's a carrot and a stick here, maybe, right? Mm-hmm. So before the show, you went to the He Gets Us website, yeah, right? Um, I asked you to, in, to investigate it thoroughly. Is there anything there 
about salvation? Is there anything in there about repentance of sins? If, if, if this is just, you know, introductory to Jesus on a human level relating to, relating to you, okay, then are they then told that he came to seek and save you because you're lost? You're lost. You're a sinner. He came to save you from your sins, your sins. That's why he's on that cross. He is paying the penalty you deserve to pay for what you have done to transgress against the law of God. Okay. Is that ever communicated on this website? Uh, it is very loosey goosey in the language. Like it's up there. The closest you get to that is the, it uses the term, forgiveness multiple times which say would you need forgiveness for or from it it it, then it doesn't go anywhere with that and then it's very blase and we would have different opinions of what the word means but it's one of the specific things people ask are you just trying to steer me to a church or to a religion Mm -hmm. and it's very blase about all that and just points back to the person of Jesus. Well, I know there's a lot of, particularly on the Protestant side of the fence, that as a base level would be okay with that, but but it, it just leaves it out as a a do like Kane from Kung Fu, just a guy out there wandering the earth. Not the, we have 2,000 years of like trying to hammer out, call it what you will, doctrine, so his lordship, doctrine, tradition. His, his lordship what does not, it mean? His lordship, his kingship is not proclaimed on the website that you saw. No. And yes, each individual person has to figure out for themselves their relationship with God. But that does not mean, and this gives the impression that each one of us starts over from scratch. What? Why not stand on the shoulder of giants? Yeah, we got to figure out who the giants are, but we got 2,000 years. It just, it doesn't give you, It's it, this seems like it's like control, alt, delete, starting completely over. Um... And that's not helpful. I mean, I'm Catholic, so that part's not going to surprise you, but that's not helpful. Aaron, it strikes me as sincere Christians like the Greens who are very concerned how they have been unfairly portrayed by the world as believers and are attempting to show, hey, you guys don't understand the full context of what we represent. But in doing so, then didn't actually depict the full context of what they Represent. represent. <laughs> yeah. Yes. There's a huge difference between between ascending to God and God coming down to us. Ascending to God is a lie. In fact, it's the first lie. We cannot ascend to God because we are not God. God coming down to us is true. In fact, it is the truth to me because they left out the totality of who Jesus Christ is. It was like the book of Colossians doesn't exist. Yeah. It smacks of, of us ascending. Or the opening to the gospel of John in the beginning was the word. The it word was with God. The word became flat. Yeah. Ascending to God. Yeah. That is really dangerous. And I want to be clear as well. We, do, we serve a God. We serve a God who can make well, what, God, what uh, men meant for evil, God used for good. And I don't think this was meant for evil on any level. I think God can still use this campaign. And I pray that I pray that that happens. But I, I just I just think that if this was designed for the type of culture that would not be receptive to our message unless it is packaged in this way, you got bigger problems mm-hmm. than how you package Jesus. 
in the end, you guys can agree or disagree with us. I hope that you found this to be a constructive conversation. And I hope you ch- we tried to be as fair as possible and let the ads speak for themselves. The one thing, though, that is very clear, at some point, people need to be confronted with the fact they are sinners. They are separated from God. If they don't repent of that and seek the atonement of their sins that Christ alone provides, they will spend eternity, all of forever, separated from him. At some point, we have to get to that conversation. John three seventeen. This is Steve Dace. On the Blaze Radio Network.